Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is a stormy afternoon. I'm looking out of our studio windows downtown, and it's like 5.30. It looks like it's 5.30. It's 2.10 in the afternoon. You might feel the same way. I mean, if you're driving around, you might feel like the day's over. No, it's only 2.10. We've got a long way to go. I'm Scoot on the air. Glad you're with us. Hey, it's Thursday, so we're almost to the weekend. And look, most of the weekend looks like it's going to be really fine for parading. Showers Saturday morning, and then Saturday afternoon, okay. And then it's going to be uh, a little bit cooler on Sunday with uh, parades on, on, I guess it's parades on Sunday. Yeah, we don't have the full schedule. We'll have that on the show uh, tomorrow. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening this weekend, including coup de vue, which is uh, it's not for everybody. If you don't have a sense of humor, if you're void of a sense of humor, and if you are, I feel badly for you. You know, you know I, I think you can have some, um, I think you can have a sense of humor transplant now. I think medicine has advanced to the point where if you don't have a sense of humor, they can transplant one in you. Or, you know, if you, uh, if you have a good sense of humor, you know how you donate organs? Donate your sense of humor to somebody. Because if you die, they can take your sense of humor and uh, trans- transplant it in, in somebody else. And so then somebody would have a sense of humor. Because there, there are some people who just do not have a, a sense of humor. Um, so if you don't have a sense of uh, humor, you might want to avoid crew de vue because it's, uh, it's funny and it's irreverent and, and sarcastic and it's, um, it's a lot of fun. All right. Glad you're with us on this wet afternoon. Hey, hey be really careful uh, driving. And I, I mentioned earlier about this pothole that I hit uh, last night and it was a horrific pothole. Just it, like jarred my car. And I just, you know, it's like I, I really take care of my car. And, and yet when, when your car like bam, like hits something that you, you can't even see it coming. You don't know it's there. It's, it's dark. There are no lights in the area. It's on a uh, well-traveled uh, area, but uh, th- there was no light that indicated that it was there. It was on Allen Tucson Boulevard, formerly Robert E. Lee Boulevard. And I just hit this thing, and I'm surprised I didn't blow out a tire. Uh, but the city has these potholes out there that will jar your car. It w- they, will bu- they will bust your tires, and that did happen to me before. So, you know, be careful out there. This is not one of the things that the city has done a really great job of, uh, of doing. Uh, they may be trying to get better at it, but, but overall, historically, there have been too many potholes for too long. And you get the feeling that the, the, sometimes the sewage and water board digs a hole and then they move on to something else and they don't uh, take care of it before it's all finished. All right. So is, is the battle for the Republican Party over? We, we kind of talked about this this yesterday. But I wanted to focus a little bit more on it today. Are right-wing radicals now in control of the Republican Party? 
I mean, you've got Donald Trump saying, and I mean, Donald Trump is, he's a right-wing radical. Donald Trump is saying that uh, if you don't get in line with him, uh, that's not going to be good. You're not going to be welcome in the party. Marjorie Taylor Greene says that the party is going to eradicate everybody who does not get in line with Donald Trump. So that sounds to me like the right-wing radicals are now in control of the Republican Party. And if I were a mainstream Republican or conservative, I'd be pissed. I, I would not be happy that they have now officially taken over. If you want to join us with a comment, the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line is 504-260-1870. And uh, Donald Trump is now warning uh, anybody who donates money to, um, to Nikki Haley, they're going to be barred from MAGA camp. MAGA camp? Gee, that must be fun. MAGA camp? MAGA camp. This one time at MAGA, MAGA camp? camp? This one- <laughs> what? Yeah, this one time at MAGA camp. MAGA camp while my wife was pregnant. Um, <laughs> oh, brutal. Ooh. Hey, listen, man, I don't make this Ooh. stuff up. Ooh. Don't get mad at me. I didn't do it. Anyway, if you give her money, uh, you are going to be banned from um, MAGA camp from this moment forth. So it seems like there's these threats coming from the extreme right that really indicate that the radical right has taken over the party. I don't think it's official yet. But you sure get the feeling. And I guess what I'm, I'm trying to do is I'm trying to inspire the mainstream Republicans, the real Republicans, the true conservatives to stand up and denounce this idea that right wing radicals have taken over the party. But where are the signs? You know, you've got the noisemakers. They're not policymakers. They're noisemakers like Marjorie Taylor Greene. And Matt Gates. Oh, by the way. You know, the investigation into Matt Gates' sex crimes continues. So, I don't know. You know, there might be some information that uh, puts him in a very, very ugly, ugly light. But you get the, the sense, and there were some people on Fox News, you get the sense that the right-wing radicals have, have taken over. And I don't want to believe that's true. There are attempts on the left, uh, left-wing radicals. They want to control the, the, the Democrat Party. I don't think they do. I mean, they're not. They don't seem to be as in, in the in the mainstream media, which Fox News is part of. In the mainstream media, they're not as vocal as the right wing radicals. At least at this point, they're not. They have been in the past at times, but at this point, they're you know they're not. So, if you want to join us with a comment this afternoon, the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and Text Line is five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. Former White House. Trump official Peter Navarro. You remember him, don't you? Peter Navarro has been sentenced to four months in prison on two charges of contempt of Congress after he defied a lawful subpoena to appear before the January 6th committee. Navarro made a case, made an argument for leniency today. He wasn't expected to. His attorneys advised him not to, but he went to the podium anyhow and made an argument that he believed he was protected from testifying to that committee by executive privilege. Judge Maida responded saying that argument just didn't hold water, that the law doesn't allow for it, that the committee had a job to do, investigating the attack on the U.S. Capitol, and that Navarro made that job harder. He's certain to appeal this case, and he likely won't have to report to prison during part, if not all, of that appeal. That's one reason why Steve Bannon has yet to report a year and a half later to serve his four-month sentence. 
Yeah, so seriously, I mean, if you're not going to put these people in, 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 in jail, if you're not going to put them in jail, then, then don't sentence them to jail. I mean, it shouldn't be just a, a, a token sentence. I mean, if they've done wrong, if they've been convicted and sentenced to jail, they should go to jail. All right, there's a stalemate in Congress. Not surprised to hear this. Uh, talks are continuing over the funding of border security. That stalled out while aid for Ukraine and Israel remain on hold. These talks appear to be treading water. You know, there had been some hope that there could potentially be some type of a breakthrough this week as lawmakers have now been meeting for the better part of well over a month and a half uh, to try to uh, reach some type of consensus around the border in order to move this national security supplemental, which includes funding for Ukraine, Israel, the Indo-Pacific and other foreign aid priorities. In effect, if any kind of border deal is killed, then that kind of denies that opportunity uh, to the White House in terms of, you know, having some type of bipartisan victory. The caveat to that, though, is that even if the Senate comes up with a deal, there was never and still is no guarantee uh, that the House would advance that package. And Donald Trump is apparently calling Republican senators and telling him not to make a deal. No deal. And, you know, Donald Trump is saying that he's, he's not going to retaliate if he gets reelected, but... I don't know. It just sounds like he, he, he wants to. The White House is launching a gun safety initiative focused on safety, the safe storing of firearms to protect children. Guns are the leading cause of death for America's children, and most guns used in school shootings are taken from the shooter's home. The initiative that will be announced today with First Lady Jill Biden and Education Secretary Miguel Cardona seeks to enlist school leaders in spreading the word about safely storing guns, which the White House says can save lives. There's no federal law requiring gun owners to lock up their firearms, but the White House has encouraged rules at the state level. Sagar Magani, Washington. You know, there are probably some people who look at any law that would tell you to lock up your guns as uh, some kind of form of gun control. But it is true. A, l- a lot of kids uh, are, are killed and injured because uh, a-, a parent was reckless with their with their gun. And th- that's not the action of responsible gun owners. And it, it sheds a negative light on gun owners in, in America. We've also been talking uh, about this uh, NRA-backed bill that's going to be considered by the Idaho legislature. Uh, sponsored by a Republican uh, state lawmaker in in Idaho, a bill that would allow teachers to have guns, um, concealed weapons, in the classroom while they teach as the strongest shield against evil. Uh, I wrote a blog about that. It's on our website at www.com. It's also on the Scoot on the Air Facebook page, and if you comment there, I'll uh, I'll go there and uh, read some of your comments on the show. All right, so this is bad news for Donald Trump by his own admission. The economy grew at a surprisingly strong 3.3% pace last quarter. This is a very strong number. Gus Fauché, the chief economist at PNC Financial Services Group. Consumer spending growth was strong. Uh, Business investment was solid. Uh, Even the housing market, which has been a drag on growth, was roughly neutral for growth. So a very good report, and it indicates the economy is strong heading into 2024. So strong that the Federal Reserve may leave interest rates alone for now. I don't think we see the Fed raise rates, uh, but I think that this means 
that the Fed is not likely to cut rates until sometime in the middle of this year. The economy grew 2.5% last year. That's up from 1.9% in 2022. I'm Shelley Adler. Oh, my God. I mean, there's signs of a strong economy. Oh, the humanity. This is terrible news. Because there are some people like Donald Trump who, who want the economy to tank. They want you to suffer. Because that's going to be easier to, to get uh, the election in, in his favor. Because people tend to vote based on the economy. Now, look, we've, we've gone over this time and time again. And I feel badly for those of you who are, um, are suffering right now. And, and some of you are. Some people are, are not doing well, even though the economy is, is doing well. But when you make a general statement, the economy sucks, that's um, right-wing rhetoric. Because right now, based on the standards that we use to judge the economy, the economy doesn't suck. It doesn't mean that everything's great for you, because there are always going to be winners and, and losers in, the, in these situations. But uh, by the measurements that we measure the economy, the economy is... Is, is doing well. And this is uh, not good for those who want, like Donald Trump himself has said, he wants the economy to tank because that would be easier for him to get uh, to get elected. Okay, let's go to uh, Jimmy and Gretna. Jimmy, what do you have for us? Hey, Scoo, what's going on, man? Hey, two things real quick. Number one, man, I, I don't think I've ever been this excited about a college women's basketball game, but Tonight's game is pretty exciting. I think Kim Mulkey's injected a lot of passion yeah. into the program. And, uh, yeah, t- I don't know if it's due to the rain or not, Scoop. I mean, ticket prices have come down a little bit. Of course, the uh, the premier seats around the court are expensive. They're still going for hundreds of dollars, even upwards of 1000 to 2000 But you can get a ticket right now in the secondary market for about 70 bucks. Wow. Uh, for the game tonight, yes. If you look right now, prices have dropped. Again, I don't know if that's due to the rain or it's a weekday or what. But yeah, it typically happens like that. Prices come down. And number two, uh, yeah, the crew at Cuties, I've been in contact with the organizer. Uh, she's going to try to call in. That's kind of like the premier parade for children. But all ages are welcome. Kind of like what Little Rascals used to be in Metairie was a big one. Uh, that's now in Old Gretna. The crew at Cuties this Saturday at 2 o'clock. We're trying to get her to call in. And kind of break down everything with that. Uh, that's going on Saturday. That's kind of the alternative to crew de vue, like the family version. You know, you know well, what I'm saying? Yeah. If she calls in, Jimmy, we'll we'll put her on. And uh, it, it sounds to me like the weather's going to be okay uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, for I'm not sorry, uh, Saturday afternoon for the crew of cutie. So yeah, tomorrow uh, free for all Friday. We'll be talking about all the stuff that's going on Friday night and over the weekend. All right, we're going to come back with uh, with some of your text. If you want to join us with a comment this afternoon, the Okinawa Jewelers talk and text line is 504-260-1870. All right, so has uh, the right-wing radical faction of the Republican Party officially taken over the party? Do they control the party? I'm getting that impression. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm Scoot, and we'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I, I did this dance on um, my TikTok account. I haven't done anything on TikTok recently, but there's still some funny stuff on TikTok. It's kind of stupid, but hey, it's fun. Scoot on the air, TikTok. Check it out. Hey, hey if you haven't joined me on Facebook yet, I, I, hope, you, uh, I hope you decide to uh, be part of that, uh, that family. You know, because uh, you, you can tell that there are some, um, some people who are posting comments and... You know, they just, they're just so out of the, the, the stream of, of logic. They're out of the stream of just good common sense or just being a good, honest American. And I want you to counter that by joining me there and, and, uh, and commenting. The, um, the pages scoot on the air at uh, Facebook and also there's Instagram as well. In, in just a few minutes, I'm going to go to the, uh, go to the page and read some of your comments on the, the, the blog that we have uh, posted there, the most recent blog, um, Idaho. Uh, bill would allow armed teachers, and I think that's a bad idea. You might read that and totally disagree with me. I, I want to mention something that I, I heard the other day. I was um, I was having dinner at uh, Fausto's on, on Veterans Highway, a really good Italian restaurant. I mean, I was surprised. I, I had never been there, and I went there last week for the for the first time. The food was delicious. You know, you walk in, it just smells like an Italian restaurant, and the waitress. Um, knew who I was and, and she 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 mentioned that somebody had passed away and it's somebody that that used to be on the on the show with me when I was on Q93 with uh, Sherry Bernardi uh, Chuck Adams did our traffic and I, I noticed something in Chuck Adams as he did the traffic I just noticed something in Chuck Adams that that I thought w- would would make him a good personality on the show. So I, I added him uh, on Fridays. Chuck Chuck would join us beyond traffic, and he would join us with all the fun things to do over the weekend. And and Chuck's name was Mr. Fun. Well, I found out that Chuck Adams had passed away. I, I've seen him relatively recently, and I know he was going through some uh, difficult uh, health issues. And it's really the, the story of Chuck Adams and his wife um, are just a, a really... It's a heartwarming story because so here's Chuck Adams, Mr. Fun on the air with me. And he's talking about all the stuff to, uh, to, to, to do on, on the weekends. And in fact, one um, I, I used to do mock commercials for Heine wine. And it, this was made up and it was like a, the Heine winery was in Manchac. And I would do these uh, these mock commercials on the air and talk about, um, you know, Heine wine. And, you know, at the end of the day, you just want to get your hands on a, a good Heine and uh, just in, in enjoy that. Um, and and the, the, uh, the, the winery was run by um, Big Red and his wife, Thor, Big Red and Thor Heine. And then there was Ophelia Heine. And so anyway, there was this whole family and they were all involved in the, the Heine winery. And so it was just it was just a joke, though. But one day, Chuck, you know, called me after we got off the show and he said, hey, why don't we take a, a ride this weekend and let's go visit the Heine Winery? 
And I explained to him, it was just, it was just kind of made up. But Chuck was a, a really fun-loving guy, a good guy, and I, I'm so sorry to hear that he passed away. His wife, Valerie, um, called the show, and she said, you know, Scoot, uh, Mr. Fun sounds like he's a fun guy. I'd like to meet him. I actually introduced them, and they got married. And Valerie was with him when he, when he, when he passed away. So, Valerie, if you're, if you're listening, uh, my, my thoughts and prayers are with you. I'm so sorry. Chuck was such a good guy, and I so enjoyed working with him on the air. And uh, I'm sorry for your, um, for your loss. But uh, that was a great story. Now, you know, today you, could, you couldn't do that. This would have been in the, the early 80s, and you could, you could do that kind of stuff. But today, you, you know, you can't introduce people to somebody else on, on, off the air or on the air or whatever. But it was a different time back then. So we did it, and, and that situation worked out. But I'm sorry to hear that uh, Chuck Adams had, had passed away. All right, let's go to a Frank in Long Island. Hey, Frank, welcome. Hey, good. How are you? Thanks good. for the birthday wishes. Good, sure. Happy, happy birthday, Frank. And first of all, most importantly, sorry to hear about your buddy there. Yeah. Uh, I had, had the pleasure of listening to him, but sorry about that. Sorry about your loss. Uh, two quick questions. Uh, I don't know, you know, again, it's on fake news, so I don't know how true it is, uh, that Mrs. Biden, who I think is a doll, is, since day one, is has an ongoing argument with uh, the vice president of our country. Did you hear anything about that? No. Okay, well, I heard that on fake news. The other thing I heard on fake news is that the— Hunter Biden's new friend that's given him all that money is also uh, Nikki Haley's biggest contributor. Hmm. Now, again, you know, you hear some yeah. fake news, you don't know whether to believe it or not. So I think I run it by you. You know better than anybody. Yeah. Where did you, uh, where, you heard these things on, on Fox News? I heard it on Fox and CNN, believe it or not. Really? Uh, okay. I heard this, the, the, uh, the first thing I brought up about the wife on both, but yeah. Fox on the second one. And do you know what the argument is about between uh, 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 the first lady and the uh, vice president? Yeah, she doesn't really support her husband. Um, she disappears. Uh, the biggest thing was uh, when she didn't show up when uh, he, um, the Afghanistan war, when he got everybody out of there, she didn't support him. She just disappeared. She doesn't go to the border, and that was supposedly, but she was supposed to be the czar of the border going down there and doing yeah. it. Well, she keeps keep saying it's the Republicans' fault rather than doing something mm-hmm. about it as vice president. Yeah, so, we can we can check on that, but she's you a know, sharp, she's I, I don't a sharp know. lady. Yeah, she's a sharp lady. Yeah, well, but it was on both patients. I think she's. Uh, I think uh, Kamala Harris is, uh, is is far too liberal to be uh, a president, and and usually the vice president of a of a president is uh, a a good prospect for a future candidate. But let's see how let's let's see if the future matches Kamala Harris. But I don't think it matches her today. Frank, happy birthday today, and uh, thank you for calling our show. All right, let's go to Ian with uh, some of your text messages. Man, some people really hate. When we report on the good economy, just a smattering of responses here. Housing is neutral. Insurance is through the roof. Food is outrageous. Have you looked around, Comrade Scoot? What? Wait, wait, wait. What did I say? <sighs> I just said, based on the standards by which we as a country judge the economy, the economy is good. Gross domestic product, the stock market, things like this. And it doesn't mean that everybody's doing well. It doesn't mean that people are not suffering. But based on how we judge the economy, the economy is, is doing well. And, and if, if, 
if your candidate were in office, you would be saying the same thing about the economy right now. It, it is true that food is expensive. It's more yes. expensive than it's ever been. That's also the case in every other country on the planet because we're all kind of tied into this global capital flow system where there's a supply chain issue or there's a war and it affects prices all around the world. But see, Ian, th- this, is, this is the problem with, with, with America today is that people denounce the truth. They denounce reality as if and, and they get mad if they hear a truth that they don't want to hear. They don't want you to tell the truth. They want you to be like Tucker Carlson. They want you to be like Fox News. They want you to just tell them what makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if the economy is good based on the standards by which we judge the economy in this country, they don't want to hear it, even if it's true. They only want to hear what they feel like makes them feel good. And I'm, th- this is just not it's not that kind of show. Here's a text that says, how stupid. The economy got better because it was Christmas month. <laughs> okay, well, if that's your argument, let's go back and look at Q4 for the last 25 years and see which years had Q4s that exceeded expectations to the degree that the look, fourth quarter in 2023 did. We have Christmas every year, Texter. So if your point is that that's what's driving up the economic growth in the fourth quarter of every year, then we would see 3.3% growth every year. But we don't because you don't know what you're talking about. This is like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, it's like they didn't look, even wait, think wait. about what they're writing. Go ahead. The stock market did not reach a record high because of Christmas. <laughs> I mean, no. It's that simple. No. Here's another text that says the only reason the economy seems to be doing better is because it's an election year. They're playing games with the money. I think I can name a couple politicians that would have loved to see a better economy in 2022 or 2020 or 2018 or 16 or 14. Every time we have an election year, it's not like there's a switch that they reach over and turn on the economy right. to good instead of bad. You, I mean, it's. I, I know it's tempting to explain these things away. It's, oh, it's just an election year, or it's because of Christmas, or whatever. But if you want to make that argument, then you got to zoom out and take the thousand-yard view and say, oh, was that the case last time we had an election? Was that the case last time we had a holiday? If the answer is no, you can't continue making that stupid argument. Uh, I, I, I know it's. Um... It's just it's 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 disheartening that that people uh, just want to denounce what what is true and and again it doesn't mean that everybody's doing well. We had had a text the other day from somebody who's in construction and they're man they're having a really tough time right now. I understand that, but there was a time if you were in construction, man, you were booming, you were kicking ass, and other people were not doing so well. And the economy is cyclical, and this has been building for a little while, and so this is what. This is what Trump does not want. He doesn't want to take over a good economy because where where will the economy go from there? It's possible it continues to go up, but it's also possible that it hits a natural cyclical downturn because you can go through history and see the economy is up and down. And, and if the economy goes down when Trump takes office, it's not going to be his fault. It's the economy. You know, Bill Clinton took over an economy that had been building under um, George uh, H. Walker Bush. And I saw this. I was on WWL in 92. And I was talking about the economy. I said, the economy is doing well. So watch. If Bill Clinton wins the election, 
He's going to take over a good economy, and he's going to get credit for it, but he doesn't deserve it because this economy has been building. It's been building before the election. So, again, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, this is sort of random, but we've been talking about the water issues in Jefferson Parish with the, with the main breaking and everything. Here's a text that says, for most of human history, humans drank water directly from natural bodies of water like ponds, streams, creeks, rivers, and lakes. That water was never treated or purified. Do you mean to tell me humans have devolved to not be able to safely drink dirty water? Yes, I'd rather drink clean water than dirty water. And unhealthy and sick people are different. But is untreated water really a risk to most people? You know, I would love to hear an answer to that because I think that's a really good uh, good question and, and great observation. I would think that there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the world that didn't used to go on in the world. And so there's stuff in our water, in our natural water, that didn't used to be there. So maybe that's it. And then maybe we are so spoiled having clean water that maybe our bodies can't metabolize dirty water like we once did. Yeah, it could be a little bit of both. I mean, imagine, I got to imagine that water, you know, 10,000 years ago, on balance was probably cleaner than the water we're drinking now because we don't we don't have as many pollutants in the environment either chemical or biological or whatever i think it's also true to probably say that so many people died from waterborne diseases yes in the run-up to the industrial society we live in today that yeah those people did drink untreated water and they probably died all the time because of it but they did not have the technology their understanding to know that it was the dirty water that killed them uh, you know, until then, like 300 years ago and then this is like this open stream and this crystal clear water and you're drinking water out of the stream the stream is where the deer and the antelope play you know right upstream there's deer and antelope in there and you know god knows what they're doing there all right if you're on hold stay with us we are going to get back to uh, to your calls coming up if you want to join us the Oakland jewelers talk and text line is 5042-601870 on the scoot on the air rock culture calendar on this day in 1975 this was the number one song in america no wait 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 no wait wait what? no that uh, that, that was a Martha. That was the, the, the Marvelettes, right? Oh, oh, no. That, okay. okay. All okay. right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's all right. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. So just okay. everyone just pretend the last okay. 30 seconds didn't We're going to just, okay. do, a re- Go just do a retake Sorry. here. We're good. Right. Okay. <clears throat> on nice. the Scoot on the Air Rock Culture calendar Ooh. on this day in 1975, this was the number one song in America. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> Sorry, man. It was the second time this song hit number one in America. The first time was when the Marvelettes did it, and you just heard a sample of that. It was number one in 1961. The Beatles come to America. They do a cover of this song, Please, Mr. Postman. As a young white kid growing up in the suburbs, I thought the Beatles wrote this song, but it was originally done by the Marvelettes. But the Carpenters decided to cover it, and on this day in 1975, at the height of the disco era, this was the number one song in the country. I'm Scoot. We'll be back on WWL. It has been cloudy and rainy, and we are going to see the sun apparently by Saturday afternoon, maybe a little bit uh, tomorrow. But I, I, again, I look outside, it looks like it's 5.30 in the afternoon. It's 2.50. Let's go to Mid-City. Brian, you're on WWL. Good afternoon. Hey, Scoop. Hey. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Brian. Um, back, when I, back when I was in college... Uh, after uh, after the Marine Corps, uh, I had to take a two day security guard training class, which covered you know use when you could use deadly force and um, you know pistol marksmanship, which I didn't 
I didn't need it. It was just a requirement because it already had those classes as, as a teenager. Um, but like, um, the people I encountered in that class, it was a bunch of 20, young 20 somethings who thought they knew stuff and they walked into the class knowing nothing. And, uh, it seems by some miracle, uh, you know, many of these 20-somethings, they come into the class not being able to shoot, and they, they were able to at least, uh, you know, put their shots into the, four, into the four ring by the end of the class. And they also, you know, when quizzed verbally and on the written test, properly answer the questions on when you can and when you cannot use deadly force. Okay. Right. So I figured that if you could take some young 20-something who's – you know, obviously, you know, still has a lot of growth ahead of them and do that with them. Then you I think you'd have a much easier time doing this with a school teacher. OK, who's very mature. Right. And will will learn this stuff better. OK. And pay it. Pay attention. OK. As you know, teachers are very knowledgeable in general is Mike's my, my, you know, my recollection of teachers. OK. So. I don't see this as being any worse than arming young 20-something security guards, okay, who, you know, young security guards don't go out there yeah. and create problems with their firearms. You know, we don't, we don't see that happen. So I don't see why we, wouldn't, we, we shouldn't have a problem with the education and training, you know, permitting teachers to have what is not really a solution to the problem as the solution to the problem is more in line with, with, with mental health care. Okay. But um, it, it's, it's a protective measure that can allow a teacher to defend themselves and defend their classroom. If they elect to go uh, just, beyond the call yeah, of duty and get this training. I understand. I understand that uh, Brian, but I, I think, you know, the, the, the training that be, would be required because you'd, you know, you'd have to be highly trained. If you're going to shoot in a classroom with all those students, if you're going to target one person in a, in a classroom, and at this point there could be wild chaos, you're, you're going to have to be a hell of a shot. You know, you're going to have to be well-trained. And I just think it, it, if a teacher wants to do it, that's one thing, but I think that's a lot to put on, on teachers in general, because, they should be more um, in line with just teaching than rather, you know, the front line of defense when it comes to a school shooting. Now, part of the training is actually being aware of who is in back of your target or whether or not you have a clear line of sight. And in the class, you're taught that essentially if you don't have a clear line of sight or there's some there's an innocent person right in back of your target if you miss or if the shot over penetrates then you don't take the shot and you move and you angle you yeah. know, you maneuver until you get a better angle okay uh, but that's a lot you know that's a, to do so it sounds like that would be a lot for teachers to to take in the the average the average teacher and and you know one of the problems with arming teachers is some people are going to feel like, oh, well, we've we've kind of taken care of that problem uh, when I don't think that really takes care of, of the problem. I like what you're saying, and I, I, I like that there's training out there available that could really teach uh, teachers to be, you know, sharpshooters, not professional sharpshooters, but to be a good shot because they, they'd have to be. I mean, and do you really want to put that on, on, on teachers? Because, you know, their makeup is not um, that of somebody who is going to take a gun and defend the classroom. Their DNA is, is teaching. And so we're talking about this um, NRA-backed bill in Idaho 
that would allow teachers to be armed. They'd have concealed carry permits and they'd have concealed weapons in the classroom. As I point out in the blog that I wrote, what about the what about the deranged kid who figures out a way to get the gun from the teacher? What about teachers who are not always mentally stable all the time? So there are there are a lot of factors in there that, you know, if you're if you're part of the the scorched earth mentality of you know everybody needs to have a gun. If everybody had a gun, we wouldn't have a problem with crime. I don't think that's the case. I think we'd have more problems if everybody had a gun. That's it might sound good on paper, but I don't think that's really the answer. And so I think there are just some inherent problems with, with with teachers being armed. It doesn't mean that there would not be some situations where it might be very beneficial. But just think about what you're asking teachers to do. You're asking them to be almost sharpshooters in a classroom of chaos. And that's not the DNA makeup of the person who is a teacher. All right. uh, If you're on hold, stay with us. More of your calls and more of your text messages are coming up. And then coming up in the next hour, we'll talk about uh, actress Sophia Vergara talking about the two big things that helped her uh, get her career started. And then Jessica Biel, what she does in the shower sounds disgusting, but she says it's deeply satisfying. We'll be back on WWL. On the Scoot on the Air Rock Culture calendar on this day in 2013, without any explanation, Tina Turner said that she was giving up her U.S. citizenship to become a citizen of Switzerland. Her reasons might have had to do with uh, taxes. Switzerland itself, though, has the highest tax environment. So, you know, she just gave up her citizenship, and she was a citizen of Switzerland when she recently passed away. All right, in the next hour, Sophia Vergara and Jessica Biel. What the hell's going on? What about that movie Oppenheimer? Did you see it? If you're a baby boomer, did it uh, create uh, tension from the past of living through that idea of the, the Cold War and the Russians blowing us up? It was a stressful time. We'll talk about that when we come back on WWL. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.